The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Rachel Miller-Howard. Today, we bring you a short documentary by Carly Meisberger about a local artist named Morgan Stewart. Morgan is a client of Community Access Services, a nonprofit that supports Oregonians with intellectual and developmental disabilities. After the documentary, stay tuned for an interview with the organization's supported employment manager, Murr Stevens. Small business owner Morgan Stewart makes beautiful handcrafted jewelry and textiles from his home. In a maker's paradise like Portland, where craft fairs and art markets regularly take over the streets, you may think Morgan is right at home with the other artists and vendors. But there's something unique about Morgan and how he makes his art. I'm Sophie Rubello and I'm Morgan's support worker. I play the role of Morgan's eyes. Morgan is blind. He also has autism, which makes conventional communication for him almost impossible. So Morgan's support worker, Sophie, and his mom, Therese Gorman-Stewart, Pick up the story from here. So he has autism. He was born severely prematurely. The way it affects him mainly is through communication. Often people with autism rely on visual cues to interact with the world around them, but Morgan can't. Probably 80 or 90 percent of everything that we do in the world is visual and we don't even realize it. And remember, Morgan is an artist. He weaves textiles on a loom and creates purses out of the fabric. He also handmakes bracelets, charms, and elegant Buddhist prayer beads called malas. But he can't see the art he is creating. So Sophie's role in his creative process is to organize Morgan's work environment in a way that makes sense to him. If we're working on the business, then I help him know what we're doing and how it's going to be set up and so he can do the things he needs to do. Having a supportive and comfortable work environment is very important when it comes to Morgan's success. Morgan's mom, Therese, explained that part of the reason why Morgan started his own business was because traditional work environments didn't meet his needs. Most environments aren't really set up to be conducive to Morgan, someone like Morgan. He's been in some work environments where like, he couldn't really have his radio, for example, and he kind of didn't like that. And so that's where we started thinking, you know, what would be some other ways that he could be in the, in the work world that would also be comfortable for him. Working from his home and having his own business means Morgan can be a part of the working world on his own terms. But businesses, for anyone, are hard to build and maintain. So that's where another member of his support team comes in. With that, I'll come over whenever, even if that's Friday morning and before I head down there. That's okay. 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 That's Suzanne Saltzer. She's an employment specialist at an organization called Community Access Services. Her job is to help individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities find meaningful employment in the community. Morgan is one of her clients, and she's played a big role in expanding his business. Yeah, I, Suzanne has actually been really amazing. I, I'm sorry, I have to say that. <laughs> she, um, 
and she really upped our game, you know, with the having a website and getting more professional materials to go out and then try and go a step further into stores and see if we can get some stores to carry his materials. Suzanne says her job can be tough sometimes. A lot of her work comes down to convincing employers to give her clients a chance. With Morgan, she is reaching out to stores to get them to sell his products. His career goals are her number one priority, and she told me she would never consider telling him to do something else. He deserves to see out his entrepreneurial skill set and passions. He clearly has a remarkable talent for jewelry making. Um, He has the dexterity. He has the attention to detail. And if creating his own business is what he wants to do, regardless of his disability, then his support team is going to do whatever they can in their power to make that goal come to fruition. In 2016, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that nearly 8% of individuals with a disability were employed. To put that in perspective, the employment population ratio for people without a disability was just over 65%. Dedicated employment specialists like Suzanne can make a huge difference in the lives of people like Morgan and the people who love and support him. Well, I feel proud of Morgan. I, you know, It's neat to see him be able to do something that's making a living, but also at the same time he's, he's connecting with the community in his own way. You can support Morgan and his art by visiting Morgan's store on Facebook or checking out his website at www.morganshandcrafts.com. For X-Ray FM, I'm Carly Meisberger. It's the nonprofit Happy Hour. I am in the studio today with Murr Stevens, who is the Supported Employment Manager. I got that right, correct? Yes. The support, Supported Employment Manager for Community Access Services. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? That was a lot. That was a mouthful. So let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what Supported Employment Manager is, or, or let's first talk about what Community Access Services. You provide essentially job and housing support for employees uh, and clients with disabilities. Yeah, so we provide um, uh, community access services, every kind of support that somebody with an intellectual or a developmental disability needs in order to live a good life. So that may mean um, housing support, um, everything from helping somebody in their own home um, do um, housekeeping tasks and and take care of um, take care of what they need in order to be happy and healthy, um, all the way up to um, um, supporting people in group homes who have uh, complex medical needs. So, so this is not an easy task to find a person a job or a house. No, <laughs> it's <laughs> and, not, and 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 increasingly so in in Portland. Yeah. So, uh, what we do, um, what my team does uh, in supported employment, is we partner with businesses to identify things that aren't getting done. So we talk to businesses who are open to the idea of supporting somebody, uh, employing somebody with a disability, and we talk to them about uh, about the things that just don't get done, um, the the ways that um, we can find efficiencies. We you know we want to um, help businesses to um, to do their jobs in ways that that um, are more profitable. Um, but we also want to make sure that that creates space for people with an intellectual disability to potentially have um, a job. 
So that may mean um, helping somebody work at the top of their license. So for example, um, a nurse does not need a nursing license in order to stock a drawer or check expiration dates on things. That's something that somebody with an intellectual disability could very easily be trained to do. Um, people with disabilities are very capable of working and so finding the things that they contribute um, in their lives already and helping to uh, turn that into a paid job is, is what my team does. Uh, uh, how, many, how many people are we talking about that, that, that you, that uh, Community Access Services supports in jobs or housing or break it down however <laughs> uh, the, the numbers and pamphlets do? Um, so, well, so we support about 30 people um, in their jobs um, and we have um, a couple of dozen group homes um, throughout the Portland metro area as well as in Columbia County. Um, and that's the area that we cover for su uh, supported employment as well. And, I mean, I would imagine, obviously, it's, it's very nice to have the working relationships with businesses. But can we talk about starting that relationship with a business? I, I, I would uh, imagine that there are some prejudices to overcome, uh, concerns that uh, hiring somebody with a disability will mean ongoing headache instead of, ongoing help. And that's definitely one of the things that we encounter all the time. Um, the number one thing that we try to help people understand is that this is not charity, that we want to have um, a win-win all around. We want to make sure that that the business is benefiting from the work that somebody is doing, and we want to make sure that the person doing that work um, is being treated fairly and is, is feeling satisfied at the end of their workday. So we really want to create a strong partnership where we're, we're developing those jobs um, in a way that that you know from top to bottom really um, finds a way to benefit everybody. Um, and in terms of the 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 sort of preconceived ideas about what people with disabilities can do, um, there's a lot of ways around that. And I think one of the biggest is to to actually know somebody with a disability and to actually you know interact with them and work with them. I think when we find our niches and that counts, you know, that's every everybody. When we find our niches, then we really shine. And so, you know, I support people who um, are are really invested in jobs that it's difficult to retain people in. Um, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities on average have a five-year retention rate in the jobs that they do, which is significantly higher, especially for the positions we're talking about, which often are entry-level roles in businesses. So whether that's doing data entry, whether that's doing um, some of the some of the prep and and um, cleanup work at, at various businesses, or whether that's doing some of the higher level complicated stuff, but in a in a more narrow set of tasks, folks with disabilities tend to um, tend to be amazing employees. Now I, I understand your job at Community Access Services is with employment, but I would also think that um, to to create a good employee that you need to provide support in other parts of, of life, housing, uh, 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 emotional, family. Um, you know, you can't just have a good job and, and, and be stable necessarily. So how does, how does that work? Does community access services, do you provide that broad base or do you partner with other organizations so that, that an individual has those services? Yeah, so we try to provide a wrapped around service. So we are supporting people in every way they need support. Um, typically, somebody with a disability will find our services through their case manager. Um, everybody with intellectual or developmental disabilities in Oregon has a right to case management services. And so as a team, you know, we sit down with um, the individual and uh, their family with 
their their housing provider, with um, the people that support them um, through vocational rehabilitation, which is a service available to all Oregonians with disabilities, um, whether physical or um, uh, intellectual, developmental, um, or mental health. Um, and um, as well as with their case management entity, and we figure out what what does somebody need in order to be successful throughout their life. Um, and employment really is in a lot of ways where the rubber meets the road with all of the other services people get. Um, you know, there are very few other parts of life where there's that that absolute necessity to be a place at a time frequently. Um, and so all of the things that go into that, whether that's, you know, getting the support you need at home, having a routine that's supported by somebody or um, just being able to um, have transportation, all of those things really come together with employment. And so we really try to have a holistic approach to supporting an individual. Merce Stevens is the Supported Employment Manager with Community Access Services, and you brought in some Dolly Parton. I did, yes. <laughs> All right, the, 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 uh, the working anthem song? Yeah, <laughs> working nine to five. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. This is Phil Bussey. I'm talking to Mer Stevens, who is the Supported Employment Manager for Community Access Services. Let's talk a little bit. We, before the music break, thank you, Dolly Parton. 
uh, we were talking about some of the, the, the needs and the, the, uh, the benefits of, of working. Uh, and, and let's talk a little bit about the organization. It started 25 years ago. It did. So uh, Community Access Services was founded as uh, Fairview State Hospital closed. Um, there was an enormous need for people who had been um, essentially incarcerated for having a disability um, as they were uh, allowed to go out into the world and, and live their own lives. Community Access Services um, was founded to create um, community-based um, positive opportunities for folks to, to be their own um, decision makers, really. So we have uh, spent a couple of decades providing the best possible uh, progressive-minded support for folks. And so that's changed quite a bit over the years. We've learned a lot. And, um, you know, currently we support folks in, in group homes, um, day support activities where people can um, positively engage with the community with the support they need, um, as well as employment support services. And and, and so why did the, the hospital close 25 years ago? There was a process called deinstitutionalization that... Um, Prior to that process, most people with intellectual developmental disabilities or other disabilities um, um, that were perceived to be intellectual or developmental, for example, cerebral palsy, um, uh, and um, people um, who needed mental health care, um, they were essentially segregated from society in uh, institutions that were run by the state and were pretty abysmal. Um, and so as those closed, largely, uh, there are some still in existence. Um, we, as service providers, um, realized the need to actually support people in a way that was, that was person-centered, that was positive. Um, and there was an enormous push um, in the 70s in Berkeley, actually. The Centers for Independent Living um, were founded um, by a group of people with disabilities who said that they, with the right support, could live the lives they wanted to and that they should be able to define the support they got versus being um, forced to live in a hospital for no reason other than the fact that they needed some help um, doing some of the daily living activities that, that many of us need help with. As a nonprofit and not a state or county agency, uh, obviously the question of funding has to come up. Uh, where where does the funding come from communi for community access services? We receive um, funding through uh, through Medicare dollars. Um, people are um, um, through their case management entity provided with um, what they need in order to live, and so we are at the mercy of state funding um, and the the rates that they choose to set to to reimburse us. Um, and so it's a it's a constant push and pull between providing what folks need. Um, uh, on the service side as well as on the employee side and trying to make sure that we take care of everybody. And I, I would think that there would be a, a fairly uh, easy argument to make, whether whether or not it's hurt or not, that, that those dollars invested, or those are dollars that are invested that, that easily pay off. Yes. Yes, both in the quality of living of the people that we support as well as creating good jobs where people can really uh, see a future. You know, people um, that work in my field tend to be people who are um, exceptionally skilled at um, a really wide variety of things. You know, I, I have a team um, of about a dozen people who can walk into a workplace in a field that they have never been in before, glance around at the systems and see how to be successful in that job, and then teach it. You know, I, I, we joke sometimes that we teach people to do things that we don't know how to do. 
Um, and that's what's necessary when you're supporting somebody at their job. I've never worked at a movie theater before, but I support a couple of people that do work at different movie theaters in the area. And so, all right, how do you, how do, you do the job of an usher? And how do you make sure that mistakes aren't being made? And how do you communicate that in a way that, that helps somebody feel more empowered to do their job independently and, and feel more um, um, like they're uh, in charge? And, and and now you personally have an interesting narrative in, in that you, you grew up in a small town in Vermont and then uh, uh, by way of train and an organic farm ended up somehow in San Francisco. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and, and doing similar work in San Francisco. Uh, looking at the economic pressures that San Francisco has and is experiencing – are you able to use some of those experiences and forecast what might be in store for Portland? Because your your organization is working with housing and jobs, which are, uh, as as the population here increases, are becoming in, uh, more difficult to secure. It's it's very difficult um, housing, especially. I think you know we we want people to be as independent as possible, but it's difficult when we as staff often struggle to find housing where we're living independently to then you know help somebody whose goal is an apartment of their own to be able to accomplish that without working at a job that that pays significantly more than than many of the jobs available to people um with or without disabilities so um it's that that part is very difficult the the part with with finding good jobs i think that that piece requires a different kind of creativity where we have um a business community in portland that does things differently they are willing to say hey no one has ever had a kombucha bar before but i think we could figure that out and nobody has ever made frozen yogurt in the way that this is done but we can figure that out we can make bike tires by hand we can and that kind of creativity and that kind of willingness to try things i think really lends itself well to the idea that a position can be found and a role can be found for somebody with a disability that looks different than many jobs have looked in the past. You know, there was for a while, especially after 2008, a perspective in a lot of businesses that everybody has to do everything or else. And that didn't work for most businesses. You know, if you put me in charge of payroll, then we would be sunk. Um, <laughs> if we, you know, really look at people's strengths, then I think that we can find that there are opportunities for everybody and that everybody's strengths and talents have a place in the world um, and a place that can help them make a living. So that, that, was, that was such a, an, an encouraging uh, uh, answer. Thank you for that. I, Mer, I want to just uh, wrap up our interview with, with a complete tangent, but I saw that you're personally involved with the uh, uh, campaign to end the death penalty. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit uh, about that and, and where things... I, this is on, on the state level, I assume? So when I lived in California, I was very involved with the, with the campaign. Um, we um, work directly with the family members of people who are wrongfully convicted, with people who've been exonerated from death row, um, as well as people who are on death row and um, um, innocent. So when you look at um, the, the prosecutorial misconduct um, that is rampant in the justice system, when you look at the um, the endemic racism, when you look at the the lack of access to competent legal representation, it, it's, a, it's a very broken system. And so um, we worked with the people who are most affected by that to help amplify their voices. Um, 
and get their stories out and and trying to help um, the public see what it actually looks like um, that you know the people who are who are affected by the prison system are not monsters in the way that that primetime television will have them portrayed but folks who were in the wrong place at the wrong time in many cases um, or folks that made um, um, you know made less money and um, were black or brown and that um, has a bigger impact on on somebody's likelihood to end up on death row than any other factor, especially guilt. So um, that was that was really important work that I did there that I'm I'm pretty proud of. Mer Stevens is the supported employment manager for Community Access Services. Mer, thank you for all the good work you're doing across the board. Thanks for having me. It was it was fantastic. The nonprofit happy hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank a certified B Corp that holds to a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our producer is me, Rachel Miller-Howard. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.